What's going on, guys? You're listening to WUSB 90.1 FM. This is the student edition of the sports section. It's just me. Usually we got like four or five guys doing this, but uh, I've been abandoned. It's just me today. So we'll give you the scoop on everything Stony Brook sports to the pros. We'll cover everything. We'll talk New York sports, the most important sports region there is. And we'll start off right here, right in our backyard, Stony Brook, where we are a D1 school. If you didn't know, we play most of our teams in the America East Conference, all except our football team and hockey team. The football team plays in the Colonial Athletic Association. And we'll start off talking about women's soccer. Their season has ended. They did not qualify for the America East playoffs, unfortunately. They finished their season uh, back before Halloween on October 28th. They had a one nothing win. Uh, overall record is 7-8-2, uh, 4-4-1 four, four, and one within the conference. So the first time they are under 500, first time they missed the playoffs since 2015. So, uh, you know, Stony Brook Sports has been fairly successful in recent years, um, women's basketball especially. And uh, unfortunately, women's soccer broke a uh, five-year playoff um, continuation. Moving on to men's soccer, they just had a one nothing win versus Albany. Lone goal scored by Boss Beckhoven, and that improved their record to 8-6. and six. They are ranked fourth in the American East Conference. Uh, that is uh, good enough to clinch them a spot in the uh, American East Championship Tournament. They are uh, nationally ranked. They're 82 out of 202. Not too bad. You know, within that top 100, that's pretty good. And uh, their next game is this Saturday at 4 p.m. versus UMBC, who are 8-7-2. Uh, and, and football, they've suffered five straight losses. So they, they are coming... They suffered strife losses early in the season, excuse me, but they are coming off back-to-back wins versus Delaware. And then they beat Richmond at homecoming, if you were there. That was a uh, great game for uh, defensive back Carthel Flowers. He won the Colonial Athletic Association Defensive Player of the Week. He uh, had 14 tackles in the game, I believe eight solo and six assisted. It's the most by any Seawolf in a single game. In all Seawolf's history, it's the fifth most in CAA history, so... So pretty big week for him, and, and Stony Brook looks to um, keep the, the wins coming. I mean, back-to-back wins, that's, that's huge. And, you know, they, they started off the season well with a W, and the five straight losses kind of derailed them. But back to their winning ways, and we hope that continues as they play the Maine Black Bears tomorrow. They they traveled up there already, there, and the Maine Black Bears are 4-4, four and four, and they lost to Delaware, who Stony Brook has beaten. So, I mean, there's ever a good weekend to – climb start climbing back to that 500 to get to four and five this is this is it sony brook uh you know not too much time left so so hoping for a big weekend there uh women's basketball season has not started yet for them they are the reigning champions of america of the america east conference they are projected to be first uh yet again they have a new coach ashley langford she played at tulane she has the most assists in tulane school history and she played uh professional basketball internationally and now she's here leading the charge for our uh, Seawolves women's basketball team. And we're expecting more big years from India Pagan and Anastasia Warren. Pagan made all-conference team last season. She had 10.2 points per game over her career. She's in the uh, 1,000-point club for Stony Brook, and she even competed in the Olympic Games. So lots of leaders on this team, lots of experience on this team. Anastasia Warren, she was the 2021 Most Outstanding Player in the America East Tournament in the finals game against Maine. She had 31 points. I mean, talk about clutch. 
And their first game is here at uh, Island Federal Arena, November 9th versus Delaware. Men's basketball, last year they were 7th in America East with a 7-9 and nine record. They're projected to end up first this year, according to a coach's poll as well. So ex- big expectations for both basketball teams. They have a four-man transfer class. So four people coming from other schools to Stony Brook, and collectively they have the most points of any incoming transfer class in the country. Led by Elijah Olani, excuse me. He has previously played for the Seawolves, and he's coming back from Miami. He won the America East Rookie of the Year a few years ago. His last season, he was named to the all-conference team. And Jaleel Jenkins from Fairleigh Dickinson, St. Bonaventure's Anthony Roberts, and Indian Rivers' Tanaj Pentway. Combined, those guys are the guys rounding out that uh, four-man transfer class, combining for 4,203 points over their career. So pretty Pretty good players coming into Stony Brook this year. Part of the reason why coaches poll seems to have them ranked uh, pretty high. So hoping for the best for our Stony Brook basketball teams. Moving on to volleyball, women's volleyball. They are uh, second in America East. They have clinched a playoff berth with a 12 and 11 record. Started season slow. They had four straight L's right off the bat. Been much better since. Out of their last six games, they've won five. They're coming off a sweep. They've really done well. They swept Hartford. They clinched their spot in the AE playoffs in that game. Amia DeLong was named the AE uh, Player of the Week. She's the junior outside hitter. Had 12 kills with a .478 hitting percentage third. That's good for third in the America East in both hits and points per set. They continue their hot streak, hopefully, tonight versus Albany in uh, just an hour, just under an hour at 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, Women swimming and diving. They have a new interim head coach, Mark Anderson. He swam here as a student nine years ago. They lost their uh, first matchup narrowly versus Sacred Heart. Maddie Enda set a new uh, pool record in the 200 fly. It was a time of two minutes, seven seconds, .71. So uh, good for her. Congratulations to Maddie Enda for that. Uh, uh, No standings are available just yet too early in the season. Next matchup is November 13th here at SBU versus St. Francis, Brooklyn. Cross-country, both men's and women's are participating in NCAA Div 1 and America East. Men's uh, team, they finished second in the America East tournament. Uh, four students finished in the top 14, with uh, senior Robert Becker leading the way. He got seventh and uh, made the first all-conference team. Women's team finished third. Fiona McLaughlin, though, very impressive. It's her rookie season. She placed third in the 5K individually and uh, won uh, America East most outstanding rookie of the meet for the championship. They both will be participating uh, in the NCAA regional championship Friday, November 12th. So next Friday, we're wishing our best luck here at WUSB to the men's and women's cross-country teams as they travel up to Albany, I believe, for the uh, the cross-country regional championship hockey that's my thing stony brook hockey has been on a tear they have uh they like i said earlier one of uh two teams that are here stony brook that don't compete in the america east alongside football they are in the american collegiate hockey association which is a div one league they have div two and div three as well stony brook competes in div one they are currently ranked fourth nationally and they uh received huge bumps in their rankings after they swept the uh at the time, a couple of weeks ago, uh, they swept the number one team, Adrian College, and they are the defending champions from 2020. So, uh, man, they are very, very good. And Stony Brook took a huge uh, rankings boost after that. They've now won seven straight. Like I said, they swept uh, last weekend. They swept the previously undefeated NYU, and they are nine and one right now. First in their uh, own conference, which is the uh, 
Eastern States Collegiate Hockey League. They've won that uh, that uh, conference title four times, haven't won since 2016 when they uh, culminated in their four straight wins. But they've never won the national title. They've lost in the finals once. They've been the runner-up, but they've never won that national, uh, national gold. And uh, what better year than this year? They beat the defending champions. They are... They are in Liberty in Virginia tonight, taking on Liberty University, and they play them tonight at 7. Liberty is ranked one spot above them for third place, so this is a huge, huge matchup tonight, Stony Brook versus Liberty, as big as it gets in the uh, ACHA, and huge implications. Uh, Liberty formerly in uh, in Stony Brook's division, but are no longer, and they've had quite the rivalry for quite some time. And uh, hopefully uh, the ties start to turn a little bit because over the past few seasons, Liberty has had Stony Brook's number. We wish the uh, Stony Brook hockey team good luck tonight as they take on Liberty at 7. You can check out the live stream. Uh, Stony Brook Hockey on Twitter will be uh, tweeting that out for, for anybody who, who wants to uh, check it out. Um, in uh, recent news uh, for Stony Brook Hockey, their uh, captain and defenseman Brendan Pepe won the ESCHL Player of the Month. He has been an absolute horse on the blue line for the Stony Brook Seawolves. He's got five goals, nine assists, two game-winning goals, and one of them came uh, just last Saturday on the power play versus NYU. Uh, it was the lone power play Stony Brook had all game. It was 0-0. They outshot NYU by a lot. I don't remember the exact margin, but it was um, Stony Brook ended with over 50 shots, and I can tell you NYU had probably less than half that, but uh, it was a dominant effort by the Seawolves, and they got rewarded at the very end of the game with just over a few minutes left. Brendan Pepe uh, scores that game-winning goal. Matvey Kazakov, starting goaltender for the Seawolves, is 8-1. He's got the second-best win-loss record in the ACHA. He's 13th with a 1.75 goals against average, and he's 10th in save percentage with a .944. So, wow, pretty pretty incredible for Matvey Kazakov. And um, tonight, like I said, they take it on Liberty. and um, I'll be watching that game here in the studio and I'll be providing updates for that uh, after or in between periods. So we will, I'll, I'll, I'll hear from you guys later. So um, moving on from our humble little school to the pros national hockey league. We finished with hockey for college. Let's start with hockey for the pros. Biggest news out of the NHL recently is the Jack Eichel trade. Jack Eichel is, in my opinion, one of the top players in the NHL. And he didn't play much the last season. He's had nagging injuries with his uh, neck and shoulder region. Buffalo has prevented him from getting the surgery he's wanted. He even, uh, in a recent interview, he mentioned that he would he would have gone back to Buffalo if they just let him get the surgery. It's not happening. He's having the surgery now in Vegas, because he got traded to Vegas as if that team didn't need to get any better. But he got traded to, out of Buffalo to Vegas for prospect Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a first, and a second round pick. Vegas gets the second line, the first line center, excuse me, they have desperately needed. Um, Vegas has knocked at the door of the Stanley Cup for so long, it feels like. In their first season, they, they made it to the final before losing in five to Washington. They've made the conference finals, I believe, twice since then. So. Vegas has needed a first-line center for a long time, and a line of Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty, my God, that is going to tear the league apart. I mean, they scare me. I, I was hoping, I'm an Islanders fan, I was hoping this was our year. Now I'm, I'm starting to be convinced if Eichel 
can get healthy. The timetable for recovery is four months. You know, if he's back around, you know, that January to February region, if he is the player he he was before, I mean, he was a point per game player. He was he was incredible for Buffalo. And Buffalo is a team where he didn't have a, a lot of, you know, guys to go with. He's going to have Mark Stone, who is, uh, according to a lot of people, a top five winger in the National Hockey League, and Max Pacioretty, who is a perennial 25 to 35 goal scorer in hockey. He's going to have tons to work with. So Vegas, uh, they're dealing with some injuries and they're going to have to deal with uh, their cap situation after that financially. Um, they're going to be over the cap once everybody's healthy and once Eichel um, is healthy as well. So what they're going to do to maneuver that cap space, I don't know. We've seen a lot of cap manipulation. Uh, if you don't know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, who won the Stanley Cup last year, they were $19 million over the cap. They utilized uh, a loophole in the NHL's cap compliance guidelines. Um, they sat their guys on long-term injury reserve, didn't need to, and so those guys didn't count towards the salary, acquired players, and then those guys were healthy for the playoffs. And so they were $19 million over the cap when they beat the Islanders. So were they cheaters? I don't know. Are the Islanders the rightful Stanley Cup champions? I don't know. But um, if well, we'll talk about the Islanders soon enough. But uh, yeah, Vegas looking like the um, the favorites out of the West, along with those Colorado Avalanche. But um, favorites out of the East, Islanders and Rangers. Could I, could either of them be the favorites out of the East? For the Rangers, uh, if you're a Rangers fan, you're probably very happy. Uh, the big news from the Rangers is that Adam Fox, last year's Norris Trophy winning defenseman, one of the best defensemen in the league, he is. Fantastic defensively. He's one of the smartest players in the league. He is a power play quarterback. He had uh, an absurd number of power play assists last season. He just signed a seven-year contract for an annual average salary of $9.5 million. And in this defenseman's market where Charlie McAvoy got a similar contract, Zach Wierenski got a similar contract, uh, Seth Jones got a similar contract, Cal McCarr got a similar contract, that's a fantastic contract. In the days of old, when defensemen were not getting that much money, it may seem like a ton. But, I mean, this is a top three defender in the league. Maybe top one. I mean, he he won the best defenseman uh, award last year. So, I mean, he's obviously, you know, very good. Um, so, you know, getting the best defenseman in the league for a contract that a lot of other guys have signed, and guys like Wierenski and Jones, in my opinion, are just not as good, not on the same playing field as Adam Fox. So, it's a great deal for the Rangers. It's a great deal for Fox. It's his hometown team. So, I mean, he's thrilled. The Ranger fans are thrilled to have, you know, their uh, their superstar defender. Um, as for uh, the bad news for the Rangers is that their um, first-round pick from 2018, Vitaly Kraftsov, he was loaned to his former KHL team, Tractor. Uh, and it's not a great situation for either Vitaly Kravtsov has has been open and honest. He said that his goal is to get back to the New York Rangers. Uh, will he get there anytime soon? I don't know. He he's had his problems. He's had his issues with new coach to the Rangers, Gerard Gallant, just not having a great camp. Not and then he um, being sent down to the uh, to the AHL, the Rangers affiliate, the Hartford Wolfpack, and then refusing to uh, report. So I mean, there's definitely been some drama there between Kravtsov and, and Rangers management. It's a tough situation for him. He, he's a good, solid player. Just needs to round out his game to get to that NHL level. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, they're in a good spot right now, the New York Rangers. Uh, they're second in the division. They got 12 points. They're 6-2-2. Two, two. They're coming off a tough loss. They blew a 2 uh, nothing lead for a 3-2 loss versus the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Their power play has improved since we last discussed them. 
Uh, Panarin and Zibanejad each had a uh, power play goal in the last game uh, against the Canucks, but they need more out of those guys on five on five. Uh, Panarin only has four points at even strength. Also, we talked about uh, Niels Lundqvist last time. He's scratched now, and he's been scratched for the last three straight games in place of uh, big uh, size strength defenseman Jared Tenorti. And um, more talk about the young guys for the Rangers who uh, haven't been what Ranger fans have wanted. Uh, Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere. Caco has zero points, and he is the Rangers' second overall pick from the 2019 draft. He's got zero points. In six games, he's played like 90% of his five-on-five ice time with Artemi Panarin, one of the better players in the entire National Hockey League. And his offensive numbers are brutal. He's not gener- The team is not generating offense when he is out there. And for Alexi Lafreniere, you know, he's been better, but even still, his coach has not been too improved with him. He's been moved out. He's been more down to the fourth line yesterday's practice. So we'll see if he's there uh, tonight when they take on Edmonton at 9.30. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, uh, you know, you're happy with what, how your team has started off. But, you know, a lot of pieces need to uh, start coming together. They've, you know, their they're, they're good record is, is what it is because of their goaltender. Igor Shesterkin, he's a fantastic goaltender, one of the best in the National Hockey League. And, uh, and so, is it sustainable? Is what the Rangers doing sustainable? Like I said, they need more out of Panarin. It's a vanish at five on five. The young guys are not doing what they need to be doing. Gerard Gallant, the coach, has, has criticized Alexi Lafreniere's game. And Alexi Lafreniere said, yeah, I know, I need to play better. But uh, we're waiting for those guys. And, um, you know, when you watch them, you don't get that these guys are top prospects in the league. These guys were top overall picks in the league. You don't get that feel from them. And, you know, Alexi Lafreniere, I, I, I think he's going to end up having a very good career. But Capocacco, I mean, class ticking on him. I mean, this is his third full season in the pros. Was not great last year. Was not great the year before. And so, I mean, I don't know. Should we get? Should we say the B word? Should we talk about bust? Could it? Could it possibly be? I, I don't want to say just yeah. I don't like giving up on guys, even if they're on my rivals team. I, I just don't like it. So we'll see. But like I said, they are in action tonight versus Edmonton and tomorrow versus Calgary. So it's that Western Canada road trip for the Rangers. It's never, never feels like it's too kind to teams. Um, Around here, uh, the Islanders always uh, struggle. So Islanders, too, they've made a move recently. It's not quite as big as Jack, the Jack Eichel trade, but they traded the contract to Johnny Boychuk to Buffalo. Johnny Boychuk um, has been on long-term injury reserve since the end of the 2020 playoffs from the bubble. He only played a few games in that playoff series. He had uh, took a skate blade to the eye, was injured for a while, came back in the very first game of the 2020 playoffs. He got hurt again. Came back and played game six and seven, uh, excuse me, five and six, I believe, versus the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he hadn't played, and he hasn't played since. Um, still was under contract by the Islanders. His contract was not counting against the uh, Islanders cap. But now they moved his contract to Buffalo. It allows Buffalo to reach the salary cap floor. So they are cap compliant now. And it allows the New York Islanders to open up $10 million worth of cap space by the trade deadline. General manager Lou Lamarillo's New York Islanders is a wizard when it comes to freeing up cap space. It's just a matter of what he fills it up with that is going to be very interesting because it's very unpredictable. Uh, never never sure what he's going to prioritize, uh, what he's going to spend that money on. Because over the, uh, the offseason, between the signings, there was a projected $8.5 million dollar 
salary left over just from re-signing the Islanders guys and felt like something big might be coming to the Island, but nothing did. We just, we just, uh, stayed the same for better or for worse. But, uh, we'll see what he does with that $10 million by the trade deadline. Um, it's going to be interesting because the Islanders have constantly been criticized for their lack of offense, not defense, but this year it kind of feels a little different. The Islanders have had to play with their defense a significant amount. They broke up their top pair of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock. They've made, they've accommodated Zidane Chara being in a lineup by, by like, like I said, jumbling those pairs. So it's interesting to see the Islanders will recognize maybe it's not sustainable to separate our top pair and to, you know, have this guy in the lineup who Zidane Chara had a good game yesterday, but has not had a good season so far is in the minuses. He is get the team does not generate opportunities when he's out there. He simply struggles. The team simply struggles when he's out there and he, he's dragging down the game of, of Ryan Pollock, who is the number one or number two defenseman on the team. However, you look at things and his partnership with Adam Pellet. So very, very interesting to see what the Islanders will do. Will they get another left-handed defenseman to, uh, to fill in for that? I know Hampus Lindholm has been rumors of him being available. Uh, Travis Dermott from Toronto, him being available. Uh, so who knows what the Islanders will do? And obviously, Maybe they think their defense is good enough. Maybe they think maybe a rookie like uh, Sebastian Ajo or Robin Salo can can make up for that. I don't know. Uh, could it be a scorer that comes to the island? Uh, you know, a Philip Forsberg kind of guy. I know my friends and I, all Islander fans, would love to see Filthy Phil on the island. Uh, but now it's like, do we prioritize defense? I, I don't know. But uh, they are coming off since we last spoke about the Islanders. They had a uh, shootout loss versus Nashville. Uh, it's a tough one to lose. They played great for 40 minutes. And, you know, it's one of those that you just kind of like leave in the past. It's a tough one. They had a dominant effort versus the Montreal Canadiens. They beat them 6-2. to two. It was 5 nothing for, you know, quite a while until the uh, Islanders let up a shorthanded goal after uh, Zuzano Chara broke his stick, giving up an odd man rush. Goaltender Ilya Sorokin has been incredible. Brock Nelson had uh, four goals last night. So it, it's just been... Uh, it's been a good little while for both New York teams. Islanders are on, I believe, a six-game point streak, and that could extend that to eight. They have uh, back-to-back over the weekend, Saturday versus the Winnipeg Jets, Sunday versus the Minnesota Wild. So uh, the road trip, the pre-Belmont Park UBS Arena road trip is coming to a close. It feels like it's been a while. The Islanders only played two games in the last uh, 12 days. So, um, yeah, Islanders... Uh, Hopefully we'll continue that point streak this weekend. Only five games left in the road trip. And we will see what they do with this lineup, with this blue line, with Oliver Wallstrom, who is the Islanders' first round pick from 2018. I cannot say enough good things about Oliver Wallstrom and his shot. He's got five goals in eight games, and he's averaging over 12 and a half minutes per game. That is fourth line numbers for a guy who could be a 30-40 goal scorer one day. I personally Want to see this guy with Matt Barzell on the top line. I can't even imagine what those guys would do together. Oliver Wallstrom is generating offense on a third line playing fourth line minutes. I mean, if he gets that time with Matt Barzell and a guy like Anders Lee, I mean, that that is uh, lightning in a bottle for the New York Islanders. Moving on from hockey, we'll talk some MLB. Uh, obviously, the, the Atlanta Braves won the World Series uh, in six games over the Houston Astros. Jorge Soler was named the World Series MVP. Uh, as a Mets fan, you know, it's, it's a tough World Series to root for. You know, you've seen uh, every division rival, Phillies, Nats, and now the Braves won a World Series before the Mets. 
But um, you know, it's it's root for our division rival or root for uh, you know, a team that cheated uh, in the Houston Astros. So um, I was personally rooting for the Braves. Uh, so I, I was glad to see them when um, they get into the New York sports for baseball. The Yankees had a disappointing end to the season. They lost in the uh, wild card game versus the Red Sox. They put together an amazing 13-game winning streak to get there. Couldn't make it past their rivals. And they have uh, some work to do this offseason. Their pitcher, uh, Corey Kluber, and their first baseman, Anthony Rizzo, are all free agents. Do that. It seems like the consensus amongst um, fans of the Yankees that they want to re-sign uh, Corey Kluber. Excuse me, they want to re-sign uh, Anthony Rizzo and maybe leave Corey Kluber. He's an older, more injury-prone pitcher. Maybe leave him... Um, you know, for, for leave them in, in the past, unfortunately. Uh, but um, according to MLB insider James uh, Jim Bowden, the Yankees will be in the market of targeting a big-time shortstop. Uh, that could be a Carlos Correa. That could be a Corey Seager. It could be a Trevor Story. They're looking to bulk up in that area. They also are looking for a, uh, a center fielder to replace Brett Gardner, who is uh, no longer a New York Yankee, the only member of that 2009 World Series team. He is no longer... A Yankee, they're also looking to improve at catcher as well. Uh, hoping for, as far as pitching goes, uh, guys within the system like Luis Heal and Clark Schmidt. You know, they have those guys. <clears throat> Luis Heal is uh, looking to take a bigger role this season. Uh, Severino is going to be a starter this year. So maybe time to, to rethink the, uh, the starters here and, uh, you know, leave uh, some guys in the past. But, um, Moving on from the Yankees, the New York Mets, they held the uh, top spot in the NL East for over 100 days, and they didn't make the playoffs. Between injuries to guys like DeGrom, Lindor, Nimmo, Conforto, McNeil, felt like the Mets were never healthy last season and, you know, underperforming seasons from quite a few guys on the team, including, um, you know, Lindor really not putting together a great run until the end of the season, and uh, Conforto and McNeil all had underwhelming seasons, and the Mets perhaps the most interesting offseason of any team. They have a lot of important free agents to sign. Marcus Stroman, uh, he was their ace once uh, Jacob deGrom was out. Uh, and the number two when Jacob deGrom is healthy, they need to re-sign him, in my opinion. Uh, Conforto and Noah Syndergaard, both longtime Mets. Conforto was drafted by the team in 2014. Syndergaard was traded, since, and he's been on the team since 2012. Both should get the qualifying offer. Conforto might not take it. His agent is Scott Boris, and he's known to... Uh, command a lot of money from teams and uh Cindergard, I would say he's likely to take it. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery, want to increase his stock before maybe getting a bigger contract. But you know, when you go for the world series, uh, you go for your championship, the guys you want are guys that have been in the uniform for a while. They've been in the system for a while and they're kind of homegrown guys. You look at teams that uh, across all sports, you know, you like to have those guys on your roster. It feels like you know, you've built a real team there, but um. So I would like to see Conforto back. I would like to see Syndergaard back. Stroman, I think, is a must. I think that's a no-brainer. Stroman's excellent. Javi Baez, too, the Mets' uh, trade deadline pickup. <clears throat> Having an infield of Baez and Lindor would be amazing. Those two guys love each other. They love playing together. Baez down the line in the season was a huge bat. Another guy I would re-sign for the Mets, I don't know. It's a tough situation because it's they have this stacked roster on paper. They have a great lineup on paper. It's going to be so hard to bring in guys when you have to get these guys all back. I mean, this is a huge, huge free agency for the Mets. I mean, they have so many guys that are that are eligible to be resigned by other teams now. But um, yeah, I, I've heard Carlos Correa pop up for uh, the New York Mets too as a name for at uh, shortstop. But 
we will see. Uh, guys like uh, Kevin Pillar and Jonathan VR, they were they were big last season as you know injuries popped up for the Mets, and they both are in need of new contracts. As far as pitching goes, Jerry's familiar and Aaron Loop, both bullpen guys, had good years last year. Will they bring those guys back too? It's going to be a lot of hard uh, hard decisions to make in the, in the offseason in terms of. You know, how much money is Steve Cohen willing to spend? I mean, he has all these guys he might want to lock up from, you know, the system that already exists. And, you know, outside, obviously, the Mets did not win with these guys last season. What is, what is going on with the New York Mets? There is a, a culture of losing with the New York Mets that is that has been, unfortunately, plaguing the team. They they made it to the uh, to the World Series in 2015, couldn't get the job done there. Fortunately, it just feels like things have been downhill since then, and, and they have been. NFL Week 9, your division leaders in the AFC East are the Buffalo Bills, AFC North, Baltimore Ravens, AFC South, Tennessee Titans, AFC West, the Raiders, NFC, NFC East, Cowboys, NFC North, the Packers, NFC South, the Bucks, and the NFC West, the Cardinals. NFC West, the most interesting. Cardinals and Rams are both 7-1. and one. Some key matchups this Sunday, AFC North matchup between the five and three Bengals and the four and four Browns. Browns are uh, last in their division. Pretty disappointing after last season. They uh, beat the Steelers in the playoffs then lost to the Chiefs. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, that's a team. The Browns are very much in need of a win. The Chiefs, another team that are in a win, also in need of a win. They're also four and four. They have underperformed this season. Their defense has been uh, Swiss cheese, just to say nicely here. They take on an Aaron Rodgers Packers as he came down with COVID. So this is a big opportunity for the Chiefs to win. They're third in their division, and they need to start getting the wins here. They almost lost to the Giants last week. They beat them uh, 2017. The Giants, uh, the Giants and Jets have you know two things. They have one thing big in common right now. Both two and six. They're both you know not good. The Jets are only above Miami. The Giants are the bottom of their division. The Giants have lost the the close games this year. Uh, they, they lost a one-point game to Washington, a three-point game to Kansas City and Atlanta. Uh, they have you know, blown any chance to the postseason most likely. And it, it just if that wasn't enough, uh, Saquon Barkley is out with COVID. A COVID outbreak is going on on the team right now. Uh, safety Xavier McKinney's out. Rookie Gary Brightwell is out. So 13 members of the Giants organization have tested positive. Some are likely to be false positives. But uh, either way, not good right now. If you are a Giants fan and things are probably not going to get too much better. If you're a Jets fan, well, you're probably not too happy either, unfortunately. Um, their two wins of the season are against winning teams. Um, <clears throat> the Bengals and the AFC South leading Titans. Their last win against the Bengals was great. Rookie uh, Mike White is a, a fourth-year pro. He led them through a comeback win through for 400 yards, three touchdowns, had a 140.1 passer rating. And he went from practice squad to the Hall of Fame because his 37 completions is the most in any debut in NFL history. Uh, second QB since 1950 to throw over 400 yards in his debut. The only person in these last 70 years to hold that uh, esteem is uh, uh, Cam Newton. He won the AFC Player of the Week as well. They fell apart last night, though, versus the Colts. Their D was in disarray. Mike White got hurt. And now the question is, what QB are the uh, Jets going to go with going forward? Zach Wilson has been hurt. That's why Mike White played. He's uh, projected to be healthy this week, but or next week, rather. And we'll see if he plays because it's against the Bills. And Jets-Bills doesn't bode too well for the New York Jets. So we'll see if they want to get him in the lineup for that. Finally, the NBA. 
the season is only recently underway. Oh, both the uh, New York Nets and Brook New York Knicks and Brooklyn Nets are off to a five and three start. Good starts and likely playoff bursts for both teams if we're doing some early predictions. Uh for the Knicks, RJ Barrett has been the story of the season at 35 points in their last win over the Pelicans. He's averaging nine point nineteen point one points per game. He has been a star in the making for this team. They take on the four and four bucks today at seven thirty. The Nets are Obviously a championship potential team. They got guys like James Harden, Kevin Durant, and of course Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving isn't playing right now. He refuses to get a vaccine. And so due to New York's vaccine mandate, New York City's vaccine mandate, he is not playing right now. So uh, we will see. Uh, it was The coach had mentioned that uh, if New York City lifts the vaccine mandate, the team would welcome him back with open arms. And uh, how could you not for a superstar like that? Irving is not shy of controversy. He's beefed with LeBron before it led to his exit from Cleveland. He's has refused to talk to media before. So the, the controversy is nothing new for Kyrie. Uh, some, if I spoke to some fans, they seem to think it's a blessing in disguise that Kyrie is a distraction kind of guy. Um, you know, draws so much attention to himself, but, uh, the, the Nets, they take on the Pistons today. Pistons only have one on the seat, one win on the season. So could be a good night for the new, the Brooklyn Nets to, it improved to set six and three. That'll do it for this student run edition of the sports section. My name is Jake Basile. You can find me on Instagram covering hockey at, uh, at bathtub Jake. But for now, enjoy. You are listening to WUSB 90.1 FM Stony Brook. This is the radio athon. We need all the help we can get these days. So please do call in. We'd love to hear from you. That'll do it from me. We'll pass it on to who's ever next. But first, here is some music. Enjoy. <laughs> 